Hi, my name is Moshe Kindler, and I'm the publisher of The Jewish Link. Hi, this is Elizabeth Kratz. I'm editor of The Jewish Link. And you're on The Jewish Link Pitch Meeting Podcast. We are here today at The Jewish Link Pitch Meeting Podcast. With us is our, first of all, it's good to have Elizabeth back. It's we've missed a few podcasts. Welcome back, Elizabeth. Uh, we are really happy to have with us today someone who is a neighbor, a friend, uh, a coach of mine, you'll hear more about that, and also a writer and a teacher, and his name is David Rower. So welcome, David. Thank you for having me. And welcome, David. And I was going to say that I, I'm not 100% sure who claims having met David first, <laughs> whether it's me or Moshe. I think it's me, but it, it might not be, because I think that that event we went to in 2006, Six or so might have been when you moved from the west side to Teaneck. And is you might have met each other early in 2005 or six, if that's possible. I'll be honest you, with you, Elizabeth, I have actually no memory yeah. of when I met David. So well, it's I know, been about I know 20, when I met you too. It's Uh-oh. been 15 or 20 years plus. Yes. Like, I mean, with some breaks in between for me, because I've been like running around also. Okay, so let's, so let's get to that origin story. You, <laughs> yeah, remember, origin story. you remember when we met. I don't remember. Let's hear. Okay. You were working on Cedar Lane. My wife was working f- for two attorneys wow. and you were using office space and so she told me she was also doing a little work in your office with you. And then we would bump into you around town and in 2015 I had this idea. I had already been blogging. Gila Goldsmith got me to start blogging when Eric was born, my now 18 year old. So I had been blogging for a while and I had written something I'm a Jewish triathlete, and I don't roll on Shabbos. And I thought, that's pretty good. Let me send it to the link. Let's see if they run it. And you did. And that was the yeah. beginning of the story for us. So it's only eight years since you've been writing for us, the Jewish link. Wait, yes. so I really do win the origin story then. Mm. <laughs> yes, you do. Yes, you do. <laughs> and that, I remember, I remember also receiving that article, and I'm like, I know this guy. I remember him. That's right. That I do remember. And by the way, that was actually helpful for you getting into the paper if Elizabeth knew knew who you were, because I didn't know your whole background. And uh, it's also the reference to Le, the Big Lebowski. Oh, yes. So that's like, you know, standard, just, you know, if you know to reference the Big Lebowski in the paper, you're getting in. I don't roll on Shabbos. <laughs> well, I credit Joe Herman for showing me that movie. So funny. <laughs> It's one of the best. Okay, so I get a lot of questions about David Rower. Okay. okay. So, but um, first of all, people... We've been reading, we've read a lot of David Rowe over the yeah. years. I think you've been writing bi-weekly almost for the last six years, weekly for the last year or so almost, and bi-weekly for about five, four or five years, I think. I, used um, to be occasional, then yes. it went to bi-weekly, and now it's weekly. Yeah. Is that right? That is correct. Okay, we're going to have to shut you down after 25-part series going forward. <laughs> <laughs> That's, we're just going to say... You can't you can't have more than a twenty five part series. <laughs> well, well, besides the extended series, I actually have I have other beefs with uh, with David, and I just want to underst- I want you to understand that I have defended you so much. We never really spoke about this, and I kind of was saving it for this podcast. <laughs> Is this an interview or an intervention? It's an interview. It's an, not a, not an intervention because uh, you, you can handle it. Um, people often ask me why do I put you in the paper? Not because they know you or anything, but because they look at what you do. 
in the paper. You're uh, your Iron Man. They look at you as almost like, is he is he Meshuggah? Okay, who is this guy? Um, and kind the truth of like is, Robert Downey Jr. I'm like, why is he in a good way? Exactly. Well, they, well also, uh, David legendary. is the, the legendary yeah, Robert Downey Jr. Uh, lookalike. So, but the question is, David, who who is this guy who likes to say after every one of his Iron Mans? You know, I'm never gonna. I'm not gonna do. I can't believe I'm not gonna do this again. So uh, and militantly putting on that to fill in <laughs> and the talus before every race in front of everyone. And I see that. That's a Jewish link. That's on brand. That's Jewish link. Kiddush Hashem. So you're asking two questions. First one is, who am I? Well, I am the son of Judah and Judy Rower. Grew up in White Plains, New York. Really grew up in the 70s when it was almost nothing there. Everybody was older or younger than me in an Orthodox community. And there was nothing kosher. I built my own Arab so I could play basketball and catch in the backyard on my own. And it wasn't... Till I got to MTA as a high schooler that I met other guys like me. And it really was this sense of, I got to figure some stuff out. I got stories from my father. I got stories from my father's father, my grandfather. And it kind of gave me an idea of, well, I know I want to go somewhere. I want to do something. There's something out there that I'm going to be doing, but I don't know what it is yet. And it wasn't until after my wife found me and we got married. And I do what I'm told. Wife says, we're getting married. Okay. And... A guy named Zach Hepner says to me, I'm raising money for a charity in Israel to help victims of terror. Can you give me some money? We're going to do a triathlon. I go. That's Abigail Hepner Gross's brother. Oh, well, okay. So I said to my wife, I'll give him some money, but I think I actually want to do this. And I did the New York City Triathlon, which is considered an Olympic distance. It's considered a short course. I did it. I trained for a full year to get ready. I was an absolute disaster. I was horrible. Finished it. I thought, this is the greatest thing ever. You know? And it kind of bit me, like, this could be something I could do because I was never somebody who had any athletic skill, uh, was not very coordinated, and I kind of fell into it. Now, the second piece of it I think you were asking me about is the whole fill-in thing. Mm -hmm. As somebody who was not very focused in school, you know, my ADD is off the charts. I'm sure no one's noticed this. Learning is very difficult for me. You know, I listen to Rabbi Krohn's Dafa Shavu in the car while I'm driving. I can listen. But to sit for an extended period of time and learn has always been a difficult thing for me. So what can I do? Well, I can do physical mitzvahs, promote tefillin. Mm. Uh, I can, you know, put up my sukkah. And, of course, there's the tzitzis, which... I get a lot of comments. Just on. so you should, David. David, you're known for always wearing tzitzis wherever you go, even runs, even when you're in the bike, even when you're sweating it's through. Dangerous. So, oh, I make sure they're. I mean, they're not gonna. Yeah, they're not oh gonna get God. caught in the gears. Good. The yeah. tzitzis thing. Uh, you know, my father, my grandfather. There are pictures. We, I can trace back six generations that we've always worn tzitzis, and it was just something I always did. And so when I started training for triathlon, of course I'm wearing my tzitzis, and when I'm. Um, Doing an event, of course I'm going to wear tzitzis. And then years later, people said, you know, halakhically, I think you told me, you don't technically have to. And by that point, it's like, I would feel weird not wearing them. Of course I would wear them. Yet it's the idea that I had the spiritual bulletproof vest everywhere I go, and it does what it's supposed to do. It reminds me of the mitzvot. You know, it makes me second-guess actions I take to make sure that, well, the way I'm acting, am I acting at Kiddush Hashem? Because I am kind of impulsive. And because... It is there to do what it's supposed to remind us to do. It's the easiest mitzvah to do. You just wear them. You can tuck them in. You don't have to show anybody. 
And it's become something that I'm known for. And I'm very proud of that. And my kids look to me and they wear it. You know, one of the things is if you want your kids to act the way you act, you act in a way that they do. I tell the joke, I've been cleaning the house for years. The kids haven't picked up a damn sock. <laughs> but the truth is, I worked at this worked film because my father did, because his father did. And so, and it, when I'm on a race course, it's been nothing but positive. Especially Israelis, they go, tzaddik, tzaddik. I am not a tzaddik. <laughs> but it makes them feel empowered. And other Jews feel, hey, shalom, how are you? It's, you get bageled a lot, I would imagine. Oh, yeah. yeah. I get bageled. <laughs> yeah. I've been started to get bageled a lot recently. A lot, of, a lot of places where that's an opportunity in on the race course. And so from someone who says, though, I wasn't that coordinated, like, let's just unpack that a little bit. You're biking, you're swimming, and you're running for immense amounts of time. It's, Can you explain? First, wait, maybe we should back up further. Can you explain what a triathlon okay, is? Okay, a triathlon and an Ironman. Let right. me clarify this. Oh, yeah. You. One one versus Big difference. Other. Okay. Triathlons have existed since the 1970s. They started, many people believe, in, San in the San Francisco area. It's swim, it's bike, it's run. The order has been different sequences. The Ironman, the 140 miles that you have to finish in under 17 hours, meaning oh you have to swim 2.4 miles, finish that in two hours and 20 minutes. Then you get on your bike, you bike 112 miles. You have to finish that 10 and a half hours after you started your swim. Then if you make it to that point, you have six and a half hours to run a full 26.2 mile marathon. That started in Hawaii in 1978 when a bunch of Marines, I'm sorry, Navy SEALs were arguing what's harder, biking the circumference of the island or swimming between the islands and the triathlon was born. And a few years later, it got picked up by NBC Wide World of Sports. And then they said, oh, it's too big. Let's cut it in half. We'll call that a 70.3 or a half Ironman you still have to meet those time cutoffs. And then the Olympics picked it up and said, no one's going to watch seven hours. We'll cut it even down, and that's called an Olympic, which is a 1,500-meter swim, 25-mile bike, and a 10K run. Which is basically child's play for you at this point. Everything I do, I do to the nth degree. I'm trying to learn to scale intensity back a little bit. Hmm. And my kids help me with that. So, so David is also you're, you're you're my coach. You're my running or a running coach. Um, I, have, though I haven't really gotten past five six miles, but that's okay. A couple a couple ten k's. Stop. When I ran with you and we started getting around the block was a big issue for you. All right, let's not and, go there. Yes. And I'm not and proud. Let's, yeah. Nope. Everybody starts somewhere. Let's look at how far you've come. You banged out a five k run. Then we took you up and you did a ten k race. Yeah. My goal for you in 24 is we're going to do a half marathon together. Wow. That's your goal. Uh oh, you heard it here first. Okay. I've been kind of comfortable like floating in the three to five mile range, but uh, it's, a, it's a good goal. Nothing grows in your comfort zone. Hi, I'm Elizabeth Kratz, editor of the Jewish Link newspaper and co-host of the Jewish Link Pitch Meeting podcast. We are looking for sponsors of the Jewish Link Pitch Meeting, a wonderful podcast that you find on all of your digital platforms. If you are interested, please email us at editor at jewishlink.news. That's one thing that, that, that you know, we, I didn't really finish my thought, is that when I defend David Rower in the paper, is uh, and and uh, we read about you, and I'm like, you're doing crazy stuff. The, you realize that most people, the vast majority, 99% of our readership is never 
going to ever consider doing uh, an Ironman triathlon. It's just maybe ninety eight percent. It's just never. You're gonna, an outlier. It's never going to happen. And and I I've never. I think I've told you this once. Maybe I've never told you this. I've never told Elizabeth. Uh, is one well, I I put you in the paper because or I, we want you in the paper. I want people to see what people are capable of. Exactly, kind of what you said. Meaning, what someone who is pushing a little bit beyond what what's normal. And I just I don't expect you to have hundreds of triathletes coming out of your column, but I I want people to know what's what a, a guy in the community who without who did not come from you came from your yichus wasn't like you're not a you're not a second third generation runner or at least i don't think your father ever ran but that you've been able to achieve this within uh, within a two decade period and it's just i'm saying i, I like i just like to, i want people to see that I, I, to me that there's a value to it i could be wrong no i agree with you i figured early on if i'm going to make a lot of noise and draw a lot of attention to myself make it something to be done for good Make it something that can light people on imagination on fire. I'm a special ed teacher. My whole goal is to make other people excited about something and feel that they can. You know, I tell new teachers, if you're excited in the room, the kids are bored. If you make them excited, they're going to follow you through fire. And you, kids aren't born with resiliency. They develop it. And it's the same thing with adults. And sometimes if you show them that the impossible is possible, they will feel they just might be able to get that done. You know, I was not a runner. It's funny. My wife, years and years ago, met the guys I used to hang out with. I had this chevra from high school, and we'd all hang out after Shabbos, and she finally got to meet the guys years later, and she goes, so Dave was like this when he was with you. And they all fall over laughing because the joke was, if you saw me running, shoot what's chasing me. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. funny. Another thing about the, the way you fit in with the Jewish link brand is we have a sports section you and you Moshe have been like very instrumental in owning the smart sports section initially we have Steve Gutlove who's our editor for that section we have a lot of kids community sports coming in but you've turned into kind of our anchor and the aspiration piece and that it, everything else flows from it it's very it's a very good message I think mm-hmm. it's like we're supporting the the you know the goof the the part of the of of our of our humanity physical. that is physical and that's it's healthy and it's positive it's a little unhealthy sometimes like, i'm like what did david just do so i'm like like lake placid like i don't even know it sounds very cold it's you know can you can we just talk a little bit about the the danger zones that you of go course. in just because for the for the for the listeners, I think it's interesting. Let's talk I, about danger zones, and let's yeah. talk about Hashem's view of that. Okay, so I am nothing without my wife, Janet. She is beyond just my cheerleader, my rock of strength, the coordinator, you know, the nurse. She's also kind of my litmus test. If I tell her I'm going to go do something, and she goes, that's crazy, I'm like, here we go. If she <laughs> says, that's stupid or that's dangerous, I go, maybe we should talk, talk about this a little bit. Maybe it's not a good I always weigh the pros and cons of everything I'm doing because I'm aware people are looking. Not just my kids, but everybody is looking at, well, I might do what he did. You know, when we swim at Brighton Beach, my swimming buddy, Shlomo Rosenzweig, has made it very clear. 
we have to be extra careful. Shlomo and I are both lifeguards. So this isn't the freezing cold you're swimming? Yeah. Well, I did the freezing cold actual swim thing once. Wait, are you talking about the polar bear ice thing? Polar bear, I go out, you know, I swim a couple hundred yards, I turn around, I come back. That's not it. I never push myself beyond my range of, you know, or if I go out running in the middle of the winter and it's freezing, I'm not cold. I do not know why I can run in shorts, in snow, in 20 degrees, and I'm completely comfortable. Mind you, my torso's got five layers of clothing, including the tzitzis, and I've got thermal gloves, and I've got hair full of snow, but for some reason, shorts are fine. But there's always an understanding of what is the danger of this. So especially when biking, I tell people there are a couple basic rules of cycling. And as the Bike for High coach, I tell this to all the riders all the time. First rule of cycling is always wear a helmet. Exactly. The second rule of cycling is expect don't even assume expect that cars cannot see you you stop for lights you stop for stop signs you stop for pedestrians one of the reasons i love cycling inside the house so much it's me and netflix and a bag of chips and i'm in the room for hours and you know family comes in asks questions yeah you know like yeah that's good that's fine dad can we yeah no not yet oh you know i just stay and i don't have to worry about the dangers you eat chips while you're on a stationary bike by the way, I think that is he, so awesome. I think he just lost his role model. I love this. Go ahead. Okay, this, well, is like, this is like peeling the onion. One of the great things <laughs> of burning these many calories, everything is on the table. Before anything, anything I want. Before triathlon or before New York City Marathon, I go down to Sushi Mitsuyan. I order the sushi boat. And they go, uh, no, just me. Uh, and I might want a second one of these. You know, it's become a thing. And customers just go... Yeah, that's all. Oh, this is mine. And whole pizzas also, I think. Used um, to if be I a bang thing. out seventy-five miles or more, I'll just go to one of the pizza shops in town, and yeah, I'll have a pie, please, and uh, my family will have whatever they're having, because I can just pound away that much. Because I burned out that much. I weighed myself at the end of Lake Placid. I weighed myself before and after. Yes, there's water weight that you drop, but I dropped seven point eight pounds. So some of that I had to give me calories. I burned out, and I had fun putting it back on. In, in 18 hours, 15, 18 hours, you lost seven, eight, wow. That's in 15 hours, I learned, I learned, lost almost eight pounds. And you're supposed to eat it back? You're supposed to, is it dangerous to, you got, you got to, you got to gain it back, I think, no? So. You're not fat, <laughs> obviously. Okay, I need to make a proposal here. Can yeah. we consider um, limiting the number of episodes of a single article series to the amount of pounds you've lost in a given race. <laughs> you just ma- made me want to lose more weight now. <laughs> no, 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 no. Uh, like fun. twenty, a twenty-five part series of anything. It's like it's long. That's, I'm not. I'm that's not good for. That's be, good for me to know. Right. I'm not trying to be. I don't uh, take to, to be critical no. though. I and I'm kind of just yanking your train a little bit because we have had other twenty-five part series. I would who I remember from. Yeah. People like Norbert Strauss. Yes, sure. And a few others, uh, notables. But so the interesting thing for me about that is I didn't start writing about that event till six months after it happened. Mm-hmm. I did two Ironman triathlons in the space of three weeks, and the first one was our trip to the United Kingdom. It was the first time we had gone as a family. It's the first time I competed overseas, and that was such. See a, my friend Josh London, right? Oh, I love me some Josh London. We'll talk about that in a minute. He's okay. an amazing man. He is great. When I got back, I chronicled the experience that was UK because I almost didn't make it off the bike in time and I almost failed. And so... You know that almost every episode, almost every chapter, you have some near, you know, near crisis that 
whether it's a it's a bad brake or it's a bad wheel or it's a bad front end or something. It's and that a, it's it tends to be biking. Device. By the way, and it, yeah. it, it just answered the question, does he read my material? Okay. <laughs> I'm sorry, That's you, the, listen, no. one of the things Harriet Levitt, my English teacher at MTA, had taught me about literary devices was to keep the reader engaged. How yeah. do you keep them engaged? Sure. So you know, do you know who Alexander McCall Smith is? He was he's a Scottish writer, famous for like the number one ladies detective agency and Forty Four Scotland series, mm-hmm. Forty Four okay. Scotland Street. He was a serial novelist. Okay. And he wrote in daily in the Scotsman a couple of articles that basically became books. And what I I listened to one of his podcasts, like when in the early days of podcasts, mm. about how he doesn't. He basically said something has to happen. In any, in every single episode, ep- in an episodic program style, you basically, even if it's, and then he opened the door to walk out into the street. Like that's something that happens, whatever it is. You can't just pontificate forever. Mm-hmm. So that's so that's something I think you do well yeah. as a dramatist. And then Thank maybe you. you should consider uh, working these pieces into something larger because they really are long form. You're really creating a book in in a series of weeks. That's something you and I had discussed. You brought it up a while ago, and I'm a little busy right now, but mm-hmm. I would in the future be very much considering doing that. You know, Right now, in addition to teaching and coaching my athletes and parenting my children and occasionally spending time with my wife, I'm in the middle of a PhD program, which I blame Moshe for again. Oh. And I'm very much enjoying it, and I'm very grateful to Moshe, you know, jokes aside. And when you're in a PhD program, Every week is writing another term paper. So it, between writing and hitting the 5 o'clock deadline on Monday for you guys and the articles that are due once or twice a week for that, and swim, biking, running provides me a moment to actually disconnect. You know, what do I think of when I'm swimming, biking, and running? Well, I have an MP3 player that I have on my ears when I'm swimming, but it almost becomes background music, and I start writing articles for the link, or I start working and planning out my day and my week or, you know, the yuntive rest uh, menu of what I think we should make for you know the Yom Tov and, and same thing when I'm on a bike you know I'm, I'm watching the road but my brain starts going places look how would I describe this how could I bring the readers here it became a thing for me a long time ago before we started printing pictures how do I bring the readers here for me because I am dyslexic because I wrestled with that and the anxiety that came with it. I didn't really learn to read and write till I was almost 10. And one of the first things I learned to do was to write short stories. And from there it became, how do I take what I'm seeing in my head and bring people there? So you, you've never stopped writing short stories, basically. That's what I'm seeing. Mm-hmm. I just want to tell you, one of the things I've always had with uh, your writing is you write in a very stream of consciousness style, okay? I've yeah, challenged Elizabeth, say. I've challenged David to, to maybe adopt a slide or, or play around with that. You've done that a few times. I, uh, I kind I still of drank the Kool-Aid, though, uh, on that. Oh, like, by the way, the editors didn't know what to do with your style right, when we first started. Right. I had to, like, I had to like <laughs> calm them down. Right, okay. so initially, um, you did you did this interesting thing where you would ask yourself a question in italics yes and then you would answer it or vice versa which was the italics the, the voice question. the voice inside my head right so the voice and i'm like what is he doing yeah, like I that's remember that. i remember and i'm like 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 how is this gonna end what are we doing here he's literally talking to himself inside the paper like inside and the articles grew from a point where 
not only am I disappointed now when I don't see you talking to yourself, I'm like, where is that piece? Because it's it gave you it gave the reader, I think, a glimpse into a thought process, and it was it was also like fun. Harriet Levitt, once again, my eleventh and twelfth grade English teacher. Mine too. At MTA, she got us to love Shakespeare, not just like Shakespeare, but understand the man. I have to also credit Mr. Bernstein, who we had for 10th grade English, who had a bust of Shakespeare on his knuckle between the two of them. Got us to understand not just Shakespeare's work, but Shakespeare the person and the literary devices. The idea that Shakespeare would put stage directions in. Oh, that's what that is? Oh, okay. So I need to give the audience a sense of what am I seeing and hearing. As somebody who, as I said, grew up in White Plains, and there was nobody else on Shabbos. You know, my sisters had each other, and until I discovered books when I was about 12 or 13, I had to rely on my imagination. And that's just become a part of the way my brain operates. It's really fun. I like it. I'm you glad. haven't done it in the last... I think you do it more on the race articles, like not in the series you're doing now, which is sort of memoir. The series I'm doing now is also very much stream of consciousness. It started out as I looked at my watch and my pocket watch and the picture's there. You know, this is the watch, the pocket watch is there. And the idea kind of grew. And then I sat down and I got 400 words. I'm like, all right, I'll run a stand single standing piece and as I wrote it it grew and I'm like oh it's becoming one and a half so I'll save it for next week it's like the hollow that never ends you know <laughs> and I acknowledge this will not be a 25 piecer it actually will come to fruition as of Friday at 5 p.m. for the de- deadline wow. you know because all good things have to come to a conclusion it doesn't mean they always end you know I've got elderly parents and I'm always very focused on how much more time do I have and I want a lot more and my father is a very resilient strong person and so is my mother and my 120 I'm trying to get as much out of life as I can at the same time not ignore my children or my wife or we've been very blessed to collect friends Facebook's been a wonderful tool to stay in touch with people who are not gooey you know what gooey stands for graphically undesirable right people who aren't no longer near you mm. you know when you would date geographically are they, are, when we dated it back in the 90s well I'm gonna set you up with somebody well are they gooey what are they geographic? Are they, you have to fly to see them. We've been blessed to make connections. We've worked, worked very hard. We worked very hard to keep those connections. So it's been important to me not that anybody gets left behind. You know, they say Marines, nobody gets left behind, right? I want. I have this fear of FOMO. I have this fear of for, not just for being left out, but forgetting. I have all these photographs I mentioned earlier. The way I reconstructed the twenty-five piece Lake Placid. While I was running the Lake Placid piece, I was dictating to myself everything I'd done in the swim and the bike, and I had all these photographs. I reconstructed all of that and woke up the parts of my brain that had forgotten. And as I tell my students, it is really true. You know, it is true what Dr. Spock says. You know more than you think you do because you have it in there, but you have to, like, wake yourself up. Your own parcel, smack in the back of the head. Oh, it's there. I know how to – you have to teach yourself how to retrieve the information, and I found the way to do it for myself. Well, let's talk about white plains. Yeah, let's talk about white yeah. plains. Also, okay. you, David is a master teacher. You, you're yeah, you're to be over twenty twenty years, I think. Really. I've been teaching since nineteen ninety seven. You came to teaching a little bit later, right? I think so. Here's how that happened. I first thought I didn't know what I wanted to do. My mother said you should be a teacher. I programmed for VCR. Like here's a step by step sequence for your mom. Boom, done. And she said, you should be a teacher. I don't want to be a teacher. I hate school. 
And in high school, senior MTA, yearbook, what do you want to be? I don't know. Attorney sounds good. I don't know anything about it. You know, go off. I get first year of college. I get this part-time job working as a busboy. I'm like, I'll go into Hotan Restaurant Management. Hmm. So I go from Westchester Community College to NYU's Hotel and Restaurant Management Program. And I'm there for two years and I'm sitting next to a guy. I'm like, what's your name? Josh Hanna. Like Benny Hanna? Yeah. I'm like, this is not the program for me. If this guy, I'm looking around, everybody here has already worked in the industry. I don't think this is what I want. So I tell dad I want to drop out of school. Dad says, well, I'll send you to state. You can either go to Purchase near us or out on Long Island to Stony Brook. So I go to Purchase and I stay in touch with Rabbi Bob Kaplan, who was connected with the Hillel office at the time. And I said, I think I want to be a Hillel. I think I want to be a social worker. So I become a sociology major. (laughs) Sociology has been great. Like you understand whole groups of people and how dynamics work. And I get out. All right, I graduated college. All right, I'm 25. It took a little longer. I graduated college. I'm going to go straight to MSW school. What do you mean you guys are not going to let me in? You have no experience. But I need a degree to get the experience. Yes, but you can't come in. So I get this part-time job. I'm pushing a kid in a wheelchair. He's in school. And I see the classroom and I go, that. I can do that. I think I want to do that. And so I went back to school in my late 20s. And so I landed on the Upper West Side in my late 20s, I think I just started teaching in the South Bronx, and I felt like this is the greatest thing ever. Every day I get to go in and work with kids and inspire them. And I really feel like I learned more about myself than I taught them. And I still think that my students teach me more about me than I teach them. Because if you are reflective and look back and go, all right, here's all the things that work. Here's what didn't work. But tomorrow's a new day to get it better. You start finding out that, A, you really have great ability to influence people within you. We all do. And B, there is no mistakes. There are just, I don't want to do that again. You know, I, I often tell people, people look at the world, especially people like me who are rushing to get to the next place. We're living in a linear point between A and B. And we think our job is to check the box, to get to the next one, to check the next box. And the reality is it's not a linear point. It's a drop of water. Because you drop a pebble in water, it reverberates around out and it touches everything. So go back to Liz's point. Yeah, when I'm running in the neighborhood, I'm aware that people see me running with the tzitzes and I may not notice them, but they do notice me. You know, if I post something on Facebook, a lot more people are seeing it than are checking a box or liking, you know. Be aware of the way you use social media. I always ask myself when I use social media, do I look like a big jerk or am I making people smile? And would I show this to my boss? And there are just sometimes when my friends post things, I'll message them privately on social media. Hey, I liked it or I disagree with you. I just don't want to have that conversation in front of everybody else. That makes sense. I just want to say, David, uh, David also has the distinction of being our happy, our proudest uh, writer. Okay. Is he? Um, I'd say not not a month or two goes by when uh, David doesn't tell me that he walked into some store, shul, school, wedding, event, and says to me, you know, Moshe, two people, three people came up to me and said, aren't you the, the, the Jewish link guy? The Iron, by the way, I'm the Jewish link guy. <laughs> but I'm actually, I'm, I'm actually happy for David to be right. known as the Jewish link guy. And I, but I want you, you, you actually have, uh, I think, one of the, the proudest of being associated with us. And I'm just saying it, it, it is mutual. People really do read. Yeah. And it's, it's interesting because it's on page, you know, 127 sometimes and the I'm convinced that a lot a lot of people read backwards lovely at the back yeah. which is yeah it's like you know well what do we say at the seder 
Why do we teach about the Mishnah? I mean, why do we why do we talk about the Afikoman to the wise son? Because then he's gotten through the entire Mishnah. My father taught me that one. Because that's funny. Yes. So they got to go through the whole thing. Yeah, they're flipping to the back. Um, yeah. One of the it. I still see myself, and you know, this is kind of the imposter syndrome thing. As this guy who, okay, so a couple people are probably reading my stuff, and it's really nice that people want to see what I have thoughts in my head, and I don't see it in that way, and I'm trying to remind myself to just focus. Don't get, you know, like matzah. Don't be, you know, the story of the matzah. Don't get puffed up. One of the greatest or craziest or weirdest was we went to Rome this summer as a stop off to doing Iron Man UK again. Mm-hmm. And I go to the great synagogue and I'm excited to be hearing the melodies that might go all the way back to the second temple. And there's a father and two sons and I say, hello, hello. And the older of the two sons turns to me and goes, has anybody ever told you you look like, and I go, oh, here it comes, Iron Man, Robert Downey Jr. And he goes, that guy, David, who writes for the Jewish Link. I'm like, what? <laughs> that's good. In Rome? In Rome. That's, that's awesome. Impressive. And I went to a wedding recently and people came up to me. And, you know, as I wrote about this a few weeks ago, got to be very careful. I've read a lot of rock biographies. When you have a lot of Shabbos as a teenager and you're in the burbs and there's nobody around, you read a lot. And I would, I would read those. I would digest those like people digest Tic Tacs. If you have notoriety and people come up to you and they ask you, the correct way is not to go, well, of course I am, or I am, thank you. It's you want to engage them like you engage a reader. So what I learned to do is, yeah, that's me. Thank you very much for reading my stuff. What's your name? Tell me about your story. Who are you? And because I don't see myself like that. I see myself as just another guy who got very fortunate that people want to hear and see what, I, what I'm doing, and I never take that for granted. And also what I, what I particularly like about the story and why I really wanted our readers to be able to see and meet David is because the it's it's sort of like the power of circumstances combined with positivity combined with like not giving yourself limitations that has turned you into a kid you you sometimes talk about it in your pieces the kid with ADHD or the, they didn't even call it that then they called it ADD then they used to call it sit down shut up the, the kid inside <laughs> who is now it's still he's still inside you oh yes but but you're you're writing this incredible column and Thank you. editorially it's very solid also like you people we have some writers who we really have to like rewrite or like work on it with them and over a period of years we do not have to do that with you because you've taken your lessons from what you've done and applied it to the future it's very positive a very good lesson for all of us. Thank you. Yeah. Graduate school's been very good to me. What what are you what is your PhD in by the way? It's in history. It's at Liberty University and it's all online which means I can get to the work when I get to the work and since I sleep very little it's the middle of the night I'm working on it cuz I only sleep 2 3 4 hours at a shot, you know. That's why I'm up at 2 in the morning running across bridges or you know. Oh my God putting out putting out a I got on the bike once at 12:30 in the morning cuz I couldn't sleep and I just rode through the night in my house and cranked out 5 or 6 hours of training cuz I had that opportunity but riding for the link has been very helpful when Moshe and I talked Moshe and I jog on the average of once a week once every other week on Sunday and when I started having the idea I bounced it off Moshe the idea of going to graduate school started with my mother my mother would regulate the complain about whoever was president and I would bring in historical references that you know what you're seeing is not anything new 
And she says, would you just get the PhD already? You know, mm-hmm. My mother wants her son the doctor. So okay. I told Moshe, he goes, you know, we started talking about PhD programs. And no, I got lost of how we got here. It's become an entire Megillah. <laughs> well, like, you no, know, why, why doing a PhD is important oh. to you? Because and- it's forcing me to grow. And writing for the link helped me. I knew at, when I wanted to apply, my writing is nowhere near graduate level yet. And so writing every week for the link, cranking out 750 to 800 words every week forced me to become better at telling a narrative. So one of the things I learned is if I take the article and I finish what I like and I lay it out, I've got an idea of 200, 400 words and it's right here on Word. I'm moving sentences around. It doesn't flow. I got to take this, put it down here where I want to hit them with the idea and bring them up sequentially into the idea. You know, this coming week, you're gonna learn about my whole thought about wearing white or linen. Well, I threw that in the middle of the draft. I go, that makes no sense. I have not told the reader. It's in my head, but it's not on the page. I have to go back and fix that. So writing for the link for two years taught me that. And then I learned, because I used to email you the articles before we were uploading the submissions, Gmail is an awesome way to catch mistakes. So if I'm doing it on the phone, Gmail isn't as good. But if I'm doing it on my laptop, I see Gmail catching my mistakes and it's teaching me how to teach myself how to write it better. And it really has improved over the course of the years. It's really lovely to watch that. Now, what's new and what can our readers look forward to in the coming years? Or, you know, Rosh Hashanah is coming. I hear there's another Iron Man coming up in a week or two. uh I may have bitten off too much. (laughs) <laughs> and that's you, what this is you about. Always, that's your lead. I may have bitten off too much. So give you a preview of what you're going to be reading about in a few weeks. I got an invitation to go to Ironman World Championships in Nice, France on what? September 10th. This is the first time this has been on a Sunday, not a Shabbos, which okay. means I'll be the first Shabbos observant triathlete at Worlds, which means where NBC... NBC Wide World Sports, there will be sits on the course. There will be filling in transition at the start of the event. You know, I am going to try to promote us from Eden as much as I can. I'll be wearing my bike for high jersey. I mean, it's going to be, you know, I've got the tri I'm not hiding from anybody. We're here and we are proud of who we are. Wow. But the bike course goes like this. Mile 1 to 13 is fairly flat. Mile 13 to mile 30 has got a little bit of a climb. Mile 30 to mile 41, maybe mile 42, is 12 miles straight uphill. And I am concerned that I may have bitten off more and I may miss that bike cutoff. So I've had this conversation with my wife, Janet. I'm going out there not to lose. I'm going there to win. I'm going there to cross that finish line, collapse crying in her arms as I always do and kiss our children, (laughs) and then call my father, as I always do. I do not expect to lose, but... I'm going to give it everything I have. I've changed up training. Uh, I've got better nutrition and better strategies. But this is what growth has been about. Put yourself outside that comfort zone. Find new goals to put yourself outside that comfort zone. It doesn't have to be something physical. Challenge yourself to find a few minutes to learn something, whether it's halakhically or just secularly. Find a way to spend five more minutes with your kids. One of the most amazing things I ever did is, you know, I think my dad is a god, small g. I think my dad is like the most amazing man I've ever met, and you'll be hard-pressed to convince me he isn't. 
my father's a very humble man. He's very proud of his achievements. He's very proud of his children and his grandchildren, as is my mother. And I started looking at how he sees himself and how I see him. And so I said, hmm. Eric, what's your impression of your father? And I was like, what? You think I'm all that? We live in a world where we see ourselves as we see ourselves. You know, the Gemara says, you don't see the world as you see it. You see as it is. You see it as you see it. Mm-hmm. Challenge yourself. Push yourself outside your limits. And if you're a parent, ask your kids, what do you think of your parent? Who is your parent? It will empower you with love and inspire you to go farther. I still think I may have bitten off a little bit on the bike, but you'll read about it. That's, wow, that's, looking forward. Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a really nice Jewish link message. Super Hatzlacha, by the way. On, I'm looking forward to hearing about Nice, France. Um, Where are you going to be for Rosh Hashanah? Are you coming home before? Oh, so (laughs) my wife is thinking we need three weeks to cook meals just for the Shabbos. And I'm like, Uh. you know, this is my wife and I. If you've ever seen the meme of we've got needle on E and there are two types, we need gas now or, oh, I think we can go another four days. I'm the guy who thinks we can go four days. We're home. We're having my folks again, which we love doing. You know, my wife and I will be ready to go to bed and I'll go, you know, we got to cook for Yantif. She goes, oh, okay, what are we going to cook? We're going to this, 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 We make up a list. Okay, now we can go to bed. You know, we got to make a bar mitzvah in 18 months. Ah! And I can't sleep. <laughs> but I've always planned these things out. So I'm not worried about Yantif. Okay. Wow. Okay. Best of luck. Best of luck. Very yeah. exciting. David, thank Great you. Great to have you here. Thank you for having me. Thanks for being with us on the Jewish Link Pitch Meeting Podcast. If you would like to participate or be in touch with us in any way, please email us at editor at jewishlink.news and follow us and find our podcast wherever you find podcasts. Podcasts.